0: Good day everyone. Uh, Today I want to talk to you about Christ that came to us with a greater tabernacle. Now the important thing is uh, when we read Hebrews 9 verse 11 it says, But Christ came as High Priest of the good things to come with the greater tabernacle, more perfect, uh, not made with hands. So Christ came with a tabernacle. And uh, many times we miss that little word, with. He came with a tabernacle. And that tabernacle that he came with is um, a spiritual, glorified, eternal, immortal body. That is the tabernacle that he's speaking about. In Hebrews 10 verse 5, the scripture says, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. To God it was never about the sacrifice. Um, It's clear from that scripture, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. So that was never God's intention. Uh, It was never God's focus. It was all about the body that was prepared. The body is also called the tabernacle because it was always about the dwelling place for God. To God it wasn't about sacrificing his son. To God it was about preparing a body as a dwelling place for God to come to dwell, dwell in. God did not need sacrifices to dwell with mankind, uh, therefore He did not require it. Uh, the sacrifice in the Old Testament happened in the tabernacle as a symbol to indicate it is something happening inside your body. The tabernacle symbolizes a, a dwelling place uh, for God, pointing towards a specific body that would be God's dwelling place forever. It's quite obvious that God is not talking about natural bodies, because It won't last forever. God prepared a spiritual glorified, eternal, immortal body to dwell in. And uh, when we look at the Old Testament, we see that God said in Exodus 25 verse 8, it says that, And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle, and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. So, First of all, God says, I want a sanctuary so that I could dwell among them. And then he says, I'll call it a tabernacle, but it's a pattern. The fact that there is a pattern means it is actually symbolizing something greater. It is symbolizing something different. Now, the interesting thing is when we look at Exodus 27, where God actually gives Moses all the different uh, sizes of the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies, most holy place, Um, is uh, describing it in the Hebrew language. And if you look at the meaning of some of those words, you will find that those words are actually referring and describing a body. Because in Exodus 27 verse 13, he says, And the breadth of the court on the east side, east to eastward, shall be 50 cubits, and the hangings of the one side of the gate shall be 15 cubits. Now, when he's using... The Hebrew word for side is using a different word every time to describe a different part of the tabernacle, although he's using the word, it, the word is translated as side in all these different parts of the tabernacle. Uh, in English language, it's just side. But in Hebrew, it's a different word. So in this case, in verse 14, he says the hangings of one side. It's a Hebrew word, katep, uh, and it means shoulder. It can be translated as shoulder. He says, the hangings of the one side of the gate, the one shoulder of the gate, should be 15 cubits, The pillars 3 and their sockets 3, and on the other side, Kateb, which is shoulder again, shall be hangings 15 cubits, The pillars and the sockets 3. So he's describing the outer court. So it's clear that he's talking about the body because it's a shoulder. And then in Exodus 26 verse 26, he was also describing the other side and he said, Thou shalt make bars of shittim wood, five for the boards of, this, of the one side, and there he uses the Hebrew word tsela, which means rib of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the other side, also tsela, which means a rib of the tabernacle, the holy place. So he's describing first the shoulders, and then the ribs, and then he comes to the final part, and he says, and five bars for the boards of the side, and there he uses the words yarek, which means the thigh, um, the side of the loin of the tabernacle, for the two sides westwards, the most holy place. So he's describing these different sides and he's using three different Hebrew words. The one is katep, which is shoulder. The other one is tela, which is rib. And the other one is yarek, which is uh, meaning the, the thigh um, or the loin. So it's interesting that he's describing a body, because it's a pattern, it is something that shows towards the body that God wanted to prepare. Now, the, the people of Israel thought it was all about the sacrifices, but that's not what God wanted. God wasn't focused on sacrifices. God was focusing on the body that had to be prepared. And that's why Jesus says in Hebrews ten five. therefore, when he came to the world, he said, sacrifice and offering that you that not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. So it's as if Jesus is is saying, uh, let us make a correction here quickly. Let me just show you what it's really about. And so in Hebrews 9 verse 8, he says, The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while the first tabernacle was still standing. Now the first tabernacle was a tabernacle of Moses, and it was a limitation, it was a limited tabernacle. Um, It described natural body, and that was still standing because it's pointing to Jesus that was sent in the likeness of sinful flesh in the first tabernacle, um, as the first tabernacle, that's what it's pointing to. And God had to glorify that tabernacle. And then in Hebrews nine eleven he says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, which is the spiritual body, the resurrected body, not made with hands. That is not, not of this creation. So Jesus went to the cross with a natural body, but he came out of the grave with a spiritual body. That's why 2 Corinthians 5 says, we know that we have in this uh, earthly house, we have this tent and when it is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. It corresponds with Hebrews 9.11 that says, High priest of good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, A spiritual body not made with hands, that is not of this creation. So Christ came with a greater, more perfect tabernacle. He brought that tabernacle with Him. He brought the spiritual body that was prepared. He brought it with Him. In 1 Corinthians 15 uh, verse 44, He says, It is sown a natural body, and it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. So we have the natural before the cross, and we have the spiritual at the resurrection. Now, you were one with him in his death and you were one with him in his resurrection. Now, you, you had a natural body and you still are living in a natural body. But Christ has paved the way and he has done everything so that you can have the experience of the supernatural, eternal, immortal body that he has prepared for you. Because God wants to dwell with man. Uh, Revelation 21 verse 3 says that um, the tabernacle of God is with man and he came to dwell with us. So God's purpose is to have a permanent dwelling place inside man so that God can be with us on a permanent basis. But God doesn't come to dwell in flesh and blood because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God and flesh and blood is not eternal. It will pass away, it will return to dust. But when we receive that spiritual body that we are talking about, the resurrected body that we have received in Christ, that's already inside of you, that's the body that you are seated together with Christ at the right hand of the Father. That body that's inside of you, that body waits to appear. It waits to swallow up your mortal body so that the immortal body of who you truly are in Christ can be manifested and made visible. In Philippians 3, Paul comes and he says, "Um, It is so important that I may know Him. And this is what I want. I want to know Him and the power of His resurrection. Because the power of His resurrection points towards that spiritual body that we are to, uh, to manifest. We have already received it, but we need to manifest it. And the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death, if by any means, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And the Amplified Bible actually adds that I may be resurrected from the dead even while in the body. So it's pointing towards a change when mortality uh, is swallowed up by life as the word uh, describes in in 1 Corinthians uh, 5 verse 52 towards 55 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That power of his resurrection is the the power that gives life to that spiritual body. In Hebrews 8:11, he's also talking about knowing him. He says, None of them shall teach his neighbour, and none his brother saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. Now there will come a time when everybody will know the Lord. And I love the Mara translation that expands a little bit on that in Hebrews 8, verse 12. It says, This knowledge of me will never again be based on sin consciousness. It's not based on, in other words, it's not based on a sacrifice that needs to be made to clear the conscience. Um, It's not, not about sin consciousness. My act of mercy extended in Christ as a new covenant has removed every possible definition of sin from memory. Now, remember, the results of sin was death, and that's what came to the body Uh, Because of sin and that consciousness of sin keeps us from manifesting the fullness of what God prepared for us in a spiritual body. So God's memory of our sins was not what what was needed to be addressed in the redemption of our innocence. God did not have a problem with sin consciousness. We had the problem. Uh, It wasn't God that was hiding from Adam and Eve in the garden. It was uh, Adam and Eve that were hiding from, from God so what needed to be addressed were our perceptions of a judgmental God, which were the inevitable fruit of the I am not tree system and its mentality. So we need to understand that it was never about God that need to change his mind about us. The cross was never about changing God's mind. The cross was all about changing our minds. It was all about changing our minds. That's why the crucifixion had to happen in the skull. It happened in our minds, uh, Golgotha, the skull. It had to happen in our minds so our minds could be changed. In uh, John 12, 31, he says there that now is the judgment of this world. So Jesus says, uh, the judgment came then. He says now, that was 2,000 years ago. Now is the judgment of this world. So that means the world was already judged Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. That was already done. In verse 32, he follows and he says, And I, if I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Now, this was wrongly translated, because if you look in the Greek language, you will find that the word peoples or all men is not actually in the original text. It says, and if I should read, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all judgment to myself. So why? Because the context is the judgment. In John 12, he says, Now is the judgment of this world, verse 31, uh, Now is the judgment of this world, Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. So he's talking about the judgment of the world that is happening, and uh, he says it happened now, that was back then, 2000 years, and I, my have lifted up from the earth, will draw all judgment to myself. So Christ paid the price, Isaiah 53 says, Everything that was supposed to come upon us, he took upon himself. So all the judgment was on him. It's already done. It was done. So the sin consciousness um, was removed and uh, he took away the conscience of sin. And the sin consciousness is that which prevents us from manifesting the promises of God and experiencing the fullness of God. So we need to replace sin consciousness with Christ consciousness. So our minds need to focus on the things above and not on the things on the earth, uh, not on the things that we experience daily in our lives. We need to see ourselves according to the Spirit. We need to see things according to the way that God sees us. We need to get God's thoughts about us and we need to forget about what we see and perceive through our senses And just believe God's word about ourselves. Okay, so the crucifixion is very important. Because every time you look at the crucifixion and you are reminded of it, you are reminding yourself of your own death. You are reminding yourself of the death of your natural man. And the the pathway that was opened for your spirit man to be raised together with Christ. Because all of that already happened. But... uh, it becomes your reality when you hear it and you receive faith and you start believing it. It becomes your reality. But it's been God's reality all along. And in First Corinthians 2 verse 2, Paul is talking to the Corinthians. And he says, For I am determined not to know anything among you. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying, I don't want to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Do you think that must be a very important message then? Because if there's nothing else that Paul wants to know, except Christ uh, and Him being crucified, then it's clear that the cross reminds us of our death in Christ, and is actually pointing towards an upgrade that followed with the resurrection. It's so important to elevate Christ. You need to lift Christ higher. You need to see Christ lifted up in the skull, in your consciousness, You need to be uh, totally aware all the time that you have died with Him. Because if you are reminded of the fact that you have died with Him, you no longer live and it's Christ living within you, remember that Christ doesn't live with your flesh and blood body. Christ was risen from the dead with a spiritual body. He was risen from the dead with a spiritual body, an unlimited body, a fantastic body with No limitations that is eternal. And uh, Christ must be elevated. Uh, We need to make our minds conscious of the fact that you no longer live. But it's Christ living in you. But Christ didn't come with a natural body. He came with a tabernacle, a greater tabernacle, a tabernacle as a high priest of good things to come. That tabernacle was more perfect and it was not made with hands. And it was not of this creation. An absolutely fantastic body that he's talking about that was given to us in Christ Jesus and we are seated together with him in that body and that body is within us and it waits to be revealed. And that is the revelation of the sons of God when he fills us to the brim until uh, we are totally swallowed up by that life. In the natural when we talk about crucifixion, it is about lifting Jesus up on a cross and um, seeing ourselves crucified on a cross. but in the spirit, it means to glorify uh, how, why do I say that you see in john twelve thirty two <coughs> john twelve thirty two he says and if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw judgment to myself in john seventeen verse one Jesus said, Father, it's, it's time to be glorified. And He's talking about the crucifixion. He's talking about the cross. Um, because to Him, the cross was the beginning of the glorification process. Because unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it will remain alone. But the only way to improve and to bring something better, to bring an unlimited, glorified, immortal, eternal body, was to let the old die. The first tabernacle While it is still standing, it cannot present the new tabernacle. So Jesus had to get rid of the old tabernacle, and all of us were crucified with Him. And He took us all together with Him, and we were crucified with Him. And then He raised us up together with Him, and He made us sit together with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now flesh and blood cannot sit there, but you are co-seated with Him in what? In that spiritual body that He talked about. We have been glorified with Him. That is why He says in 1 John 4:17, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because all the judgment was already on Christ, as we just read. Um, because as He is, so are we in this world. There's no more judgment. There's no more judgment, because all the judgment was on Him already. Alright, and then in the New Testament, never about the focus, focus on sins. Uh, God doesn't want you to focus on sin and uh, because that was all dealt with. Uh, Jesus did such such a perfect work that it was all dealt with. Uh, This knowledge of Him will never again be based on sin consciousness. So in in the New Testament, um, we don't focus on sin and confession of sins. The focus in the New Testament is confession of Christ. Um, That is why the word confess in Greek is homologeo and it means to say the same thing. And it means to be in agreement with God, uh, not in agreement with Satan who is the accuser. Now remember, if Satan accuses you, he accuses you of sin. But if you confess sin, then you are in agreement with Satan. But if you confess the perfect work that Christ has done on the cross, you're in Christ, the old man died, he doesn't live anymore, the guy that was guilty died, but the one that's living now, is the new life, the new person, and we are clothed with that new person, which is Christ, and sin cannot touch us, because we are the ones that were born from above. In 1 John 3 verse 9, he says, um, if anyone is born from God, he cannot sin, because his seed remains in him. That's the Christ seed. Uh, Therefore, he cannot sin. Now, we must either accept it or not. So, if you want to fight against this by reasoning with your carnal mind against it, then, it's going to be tough to overcome sin. But if you realize that it was done by Christ, it's nothing about your self-effort, it's nothing about your self-righteousness and keeping a law, it's everything about what Christ has accomplished on a cross. He got rid of the old man of sin and he did something fantastic by restoring us into perfect union with God and uh, giving us that consciousness again of our innocence because the word says, as he is, so are we in this world. We are no different to what Jesus is after his resurrection. We are exactly as he is. But our minds need to accept that so that we can manifest that. And that's why Paul says uh, we are, are, are striving to get hold of that which Christ took hold of for us in Philippians 3. So uh, homologeo means to confess, to say the same thing, to be in agreement with God. What you need to be saved um, from is uh, from wrong thinking and uh, wrong speech, you know, saying the wrong things. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you must confess your sins to be saved. It doesn't say that in the New Testament. In Romans 10 verse 9, it actually says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the saving of a man wasn't dependent upon your confession of sins. It was all about confessing with your mouth what Jesus did and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Why? Because you were raised together with him as a new man and therefore sin has no hold on you because the sin question has been dealt with, the sin problem has been dealt with. In Romans 7:24, he says, O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul recognizes. He says the cross is so important. I need to be reminded of this constantly so that I can know that even though I sometimes fall in sin, the the, the thing is it doesn't really touch me because my focus is not on the man that sin. My focus is, is and should be on who I am in Christ because that's the only way to victory. You know, if you ask forgiveness for sins, you are forgiven already. But if you confess Christ, you're overcoming the sin. So do you want to be forgiven only, or do you want to be an overcomer over it? So God is giving you this choice. He's saying, listen, I want you to realize that you are more than a conqueror in Christ. So don't confess that you are in sin, rather confess that you are in Christ, because in your in Christness, you are more than a conqueror. But in your sin, you are not a conqueror, Uh, in your sin you are forgiven, and God wants you to realize that there is something far greater than confessing sin, and that is confessing Christ. But then, if I confess Christ, it means that everything has changed. Uh, Whenever (coughs) I um, am in Christ, I am a new creation, a new creation means I am totally new, there is not certain parts of me that are new, everything is new. My mind needs to be renewed to catch up with the perfect work that Christ has done because we still think the old way. But the manifestation of the real thing that happened in Christ can only manifest when we renew our minds. That's why he says, Be ye transfigured by the renewing of your mind in Romans 12 verse 2. So we need to change our minds. God sent His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. But Romans 6 6 says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. Do you realize that the body of sin that you had was done away with? God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and he took all of us upon himself. Then he crucified that so he could do away with the body of sin because the process was never about the sacrifice. It was about preparing a body. But to prepare a new body, he had to get uh, get the, rid of the old body. He had to get rid of the old tabernacle, the first tabernacle, so that he could prepare the new one. And uh, while the, the old tabernacle was still standing, the new one could not um, be made manifest. He says that in Hebrews 9, 8. He says the Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. But Christ came as high priest of good things to come, with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, there is not of this creation. And that's what He brought to you. He brought that spiritual body to you, and Christ within you is the hope of glory. It's clear that the old man is gone, and the body of sin is done away with, and in Second Timothy 1 verse 10, He's talking about this, and He says, But uh, has, it has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. It was done. Death was already abolished and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So the good news is about life and immortality. That's what the gospel message was. He brought life and immortality. So forget about death. Forget about sin. Forget about all the other things because those things are part of the natural realm. But life and peace and Heavenly mindedness and to be focused on Him all comes from that realm in Christ which is far above the things of the earth. So uh, Paul says, set your mind on the things above and not on the things on the earth. The problem is that we kept on knowing ourselves according to the flesh. We haven't learned to know ourselves according to the Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 5.16 he says, therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation; old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He's not only talking about your spirit; he's talking about everything that God has done for you. But it, it only manifests uh, on our acceptance of that truth. Then we can see. Those things manifesting in your life and it's a process where our minds are being renewed so that we can be transfigured into the same image from glory to glory. Now all things are of God, verse 18, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, if Christ has done that, He reconciled the world to Himself and not imputing their trespasses to them. We shouldn't know anybody any longer in the flesh, only in the Spirit. But the important thing is, you can't know somebody else according to the Spirit if you don't start knowing yourself in the Spirit. Because the flesh cannot know Spirit. The flesh cannot know somebody else according to the Spirit. You first need to realize who you are in Him and realize who you are as a spirit being in Christ. And you need to realize that you are a new creation. You're not the old man. You are the spirit man. You are not the flesh man. And when you realize that, then you can only know somebody else according to the spirit. That's why you will see that the people that truly know themselves in the spirit cannot judge somebody else because they are aware of the fact that the judgment already happened um, in Christ because He has drawn all judgment unto Him. Everybody, He paid the price for everybody already. It's not something that needs to be done in future. It was done. A perfect work. And when you know yourself in the Spirit, you can know other people in the Spirit And then the the love relationship, the love that you need to uh, allow to flow from your innermost being, is so much easier to release when you know somebody according to the Spirit. So start with yourself. Know yourself according to the Spirit. And every time you see Christ on the cross, every time you lift Him up, it reminds you, the old man is gone. You don't live in the flesh. The flesh man is gone. There's a new man. That's why He says in Philippians chapter 3, Verse 12, he says, "Um, I have not already attained or uh, I'm already perfected, but um, I'm pressing on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So just think about this for for a moment. Paul says, I want to, uh, verse 11, he says, I want to uh, have the resurrection from the dead even while in the body. And he says, Not that I have already attained it, it's already a reality in the spirit. But uh, in my body, I don't see it already. I don't say I already have attained it. But, and I still need to be perfected, and it will happen when that body swallows up mortality. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So he's saying that Jesus has done it already. He already accomplished it. He already laid hold of it. Um, The promise is already there. It's already done. It's already inside of you. And then he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, and listen to this important thing that Paul is saying now. He says, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. I forget about the things that are behind. So Paul says, I have no more sin consciousness. I'm not, I'm not looking at the things that hindered me previously to manifest this fullness that God has in store for me. Uh, and I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I'm pressing towards the goal For the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, I'm pressing towards this goal. What was the goal? The goal was to have a body as a permanent manifested dwelling place of God that is eternal. And that was the goal, to to be in that position where God can manifest through you. Therefore, let us as many as mature have this mind. So it's all about changing your mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. And then he comes in verse 18, he says, And for many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Wow! Well, listen to this. He says that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. That's the reason why people don't um, realize this, because... You know, if you are an enemy of the cross of Christ, you don't realize your own death and also you don't realize your own resurrection with Him. Then it's not a reality to you. So you will never receive that promise, that that body that God has planned for you. He says um, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is in destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame. So their glory is in their natural bodies, who set their mind on earthly things who set their mind on earthly things. An enemy of the cross is someone who do not accept and appreciate what was done on the cross. It was not about the sacrifice, but all about the preparation of a spiritual body, and people don't realize that. It's a tabernacle not made with hands, not from this creation. So God has something great in store, but we keep on missing what God has given to us in Christ Jesus, because we are focused on the natural And we are thinking about our natural bodies. And God says, lift your vision higher. Realize who you are in the spirit. uh, Get this mindset of the natural man out of the way. Have the same mind in you that is in Christ Jesus. Start thinking the way that God is thinking about you. Forget about the old things. Forget about the old man. And just accept the perfect work on the cross. And the moment you accept that perfect work and you are reminded and you set your mind on the things and not on the earthly things, then you can manifest and you will appear with Him, as Colossians 3 verse 3 says, and um, let you set your mind on the things above and not on the things on the earth, for your real new life is hidden with Christ in God, and when Christ who is your life appears, you will also appear with Him in the splendor of His glory, and that glory will manifest through this body. We need to realize that, but it cannot happen while we are focused on earthly things. You, you should stop knowing yourself according to the flesh, and start seeing who you are in the spirit, brother and sister. You need to realize this. This is so important. And that's why he continues in Philippians 3.20. And he says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to His glorious body, according to the working by which he's able to even subdue all things to himself. Now, okay, here's an important point. He says, our citizenship is in heaven, guys. Uh, heaven is not someplace up in the sky. Heaven is in and around you, because it's another realm. It is a higher realm. It's a higher realm of existence, with higher vibration and higher energy, and it's uh, it's all around us, and it's not limited by time and space. It is eternal, Okay. And then he says, He will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to His glorious body. That glorious body that's already within us, Christ within us, is the hope of glory. Uh, But it will manifest, it will swallow up mortality. And he says, according to the working by which He is able to subdue all things to Himself. Now, this is the important thing. (coughs) We read in Corinthians, (coughs) in 1 Corinthians 15, verse uh, 26, he says that... um, uh, verse 25, 26, 27, he says, uh, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father until all his enemies are made his footstool and until everything is subject to himself. Okay, so everything must be subject to him. But he says here in Philippians 3 verse 21, he says, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. So the subduing of all things to himself can only happen with a transformed body into his glorious body. So God is waiting for us. He's waiting until the last enemies are made his footstool. The last enemy we know is the carnal mind, uh, which is called death. And um, if we uh, conquer death, if we, how will you conquer death? by accepting the eternal life and accepting the transformation that God has prepared for you. He prepared the body for you. He sacrificed your old man in Christ and He resurrected the new man through the resurrection. And um, our bodies must be transformed now to be conformed to His glorious body that He rose with from the dead. And according to the working through that he's able to subdue all things to himself. God is waiting for us to accept the full work on the cross and the perfect uh, work that he has done before all things will be subdued to Christ because we are Christ. We are the body of Christ. Jesus already conquered death. All things are already subject to him as a person but to his body who who is a corporate Christ um, we still need to subdue death. Under our feet. And it happens when we realize that um, God has prepared a body for us because it's through this body that He is able to subdue all things to Himself. Philippians 3, verse 21. He will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is even able to subdue all things to Himself. God needs that body to subdue everything to himself. He appeared, Jesus Christ, with that glorious body, he, appe- he appeared where he wanted to be. He did not walk where he wanted to be. So He can walk if he wants to, but because he did walk with the Emmaus guys, and um, the, the guys that went to Emmaus, but um, he appeared where he wanted to, to, to be. You know, on the Day of His Resurrection, the Word says that he appeared in their midst, they were seated at the table, and he appeared in the midst. He, uh, the doors and the windows were locked, but he didn't walk through the wall or walk through the door. He just appeared in the midst. That's the word "appear." And he says in Mark 16:14, later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. In Luke 24:36, he says, "Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, "Peace to you." In Luke twenty four thirty-eight, he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do you doubts why do doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see see for yourselves that spirit a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. So Jesus says, I'm not a spirit. I have flesh and bones, as you see I have. But it's a different flesh. It's a spiritual body. Um, There's a natural body and there is a spiritual body. The, The spiritual body is different to the natural body. And he says it's different. In Mark 16, 12, he says after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. In another form. So Jesus, with his resurrected body, he could change form. He could appear in another form. That's what scripture says uh, there in Mark 16:12. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them. And that same body that was risen from the dead is the body of Christ that we are. But we don't realize that fully. And because we don't fully realize that he's still waiting for everything to be subdued to Christ, who is seated at the right hand of the Father. There are not many bodies seated at the right hand of the Father. It's only one body, because Scripture says there's only one body. But that body is our body, and we're all all parts of that body. That body is in you, and in me, and in everybody around you. So there's promises that God gave us, and one of these promises was eternal, immortal, perfect, um, everlasting life that will never end, uh, because God wanted a dwelling place, place like that. Now, there are so many promises in the Word of God, but all these promises are only available to us in Christ. Outside of Christ, none of this is possible. So, there are 211 promises in the New Testament, and everyone is connected to, to being in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, he says, For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him amen, To the glory of God through us. Now the key word there is that the promises are only yes and amen in Him to the glory of God. But it cannot happen except through us. Let me read that scripture again. He says 2nd Corinthians 1 verse 20. For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him amen to the glory of God through us. It happens through us, people, there's no other way for this to happen, it can only happen through us, and um, everybody is in Christ, there's nobody that is excluded, everybody is in Christ, but everybody doesn't know it, and everybody doesn't believe it, in First Corinthians 1.30 he says, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. You didn't do a thing to be in Christ. God did everything. Of Him you are in Christ. So it's not a question of if you are in Christ or if you are not in Christ. The, the, the question is, do you know that you are in Christ? Because everybody is in Christ, but everybody doesn't know they are in Christ. Okay, so He made you one with Him in His death, in His resurrection and His ascension. You died with Him. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of God, uh, the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And He died for all. So everybody died with Him. Nobody is exempt from it. You died with Him. You were raised with Him. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, But God who is rich in His mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Then we also ascended with Him. Because Ephesians 2 6 says, And He raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That heavenly places is in you and in you and in you and in me. Those are heavenly places in Christ. And we are seated, we are raised together, we are seated together in Christ Jesus in those heavenly places. And all of this, we are needed because all of this, the promises of God needs to manifest through us because there is no other way. Why must, the, why must the promises manifest through us? Because you, we are the body of Christ. Now, 1 uh, Corinthians 12:27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So we are the body of Christ. And if God wants to use Christ to manifest something, He can only use His body because there's no other way to do it. And we are the body of Christ. And we need to realize that it's not your flesh and blood that is the body of Christ. It's not your natural body. It is that risen body of Christ. That is the spiritual body. You see, if we don't look at the cross and understand that there's something new that came because of the cross, we are stuck in the old body, in the mindset that keeps us in the old body. But if you realize what really happened at the cross and you look at the cross, as Paul said to the Corinthians, the only thing I want to tell you is to know Christ and Him crucified. If we truly realize that, we will realize that The old man of sin doesn't exist anymore. It's now a new man. And you are the body of Christ. Your natural body is not the body of Christ. It was risen as a spiritual body. You were raised with Him. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It's raised in power. Verse 44, Uh, It is sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. The spiritual body is so important. Why is it important? Because through the spiritual body, all things will be subdued to himself. Philippians 3.21, we just read that, We will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So things can only be subdued if we truly understand that that body that's manifesting through us, that body will subdue all things to Himself. You need need to have this transformation that Christ took hold of for you on the cross. We need the body of Christ to manifest all these things that God has planned for us. The transformation through this spiritual immortal body that transformation will subdue all things to Christ. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 25, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Christ already conquered death, but it must become your reality. And the last enemy is, is death. So why do people still die? People still die because they don't accept this truth of immortality. They still expect to die. They still have preparations for when they die. Uh, the only thing that stands between us and manifestation of Christ through us is the carnal mind. It's that death. It's the wrong thinking. Uh, people refuse to believe that, uh, that they have a spirit body within. They only think of themselves as a natural body. But it's clear from that scripture in 1 Corinthians fifteen forty there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. You are one with him in the spirit. Romans 8, 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. So, do you want to set your focus on your natural body, the flesh, or do you want to set your mind on the spiritual things, the spiritual body? Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the meaning of your mind. In other words, change your thinking. Because the metamorpho, the metamorphism that's happening to you can only happen when you change your mind. When you think differently about yourself, when you know yourself according to the spirit and not according to the flesh, the the spirit manifestation will happen in your body. Because mortality will be swallowed up by life. So change your mind. In Matthew 17 verse 2, Jesus gave us a peek into that because he was transfigured before them. Uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration. In 2nd Corinthians 3.18, he's also using that same word, metamorpho, where he's talking about us um, being transformed from glory to glory, uh, as into the same image. How will that happen? As we, as we renew our minds, we will start seeing things differently. It's so important to make this decision to know yourself according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. You need to visualize this. You need to understand that you have a spiritual body. The only death that still remains is in the carnal mind. Romans 8, 6 is clear. He says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So let's get the mind of the spirit on. Let's forget about the flesh. Let's forget about death. Let's forget about sin. Let's forget about all the things that's happening in this world. Let's start focusing on Christ in the spirit. And let us experience life and peace. Hebrews 9:27 says, It's appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. So it's clear from that scripture, It's appointed for men to die once, and we died with Him because 2 Corinthians 5:14 says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and He died for all. So it's already it's already done. We already died. He already died for us. He died for all. And all died. But it's appointed for men to die once. So we already died with him. No need to die anymore. And after this the judgment. And the judgment was already on him. The judgment that was meant for us was already on him. So just accept it and just say thank you Lord for taking the judgment that was supposed to come to us. Because the wages of sin is death, but Christ already died that death. He already died for you. Uh, Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God gave us this gift, and He says, I give you eternal life. I've given you a perfect tabernacle, not of this creation, not of this world, but eternal in the heavens. I've given you an immortal body. I've given you something that is eternal but people refuses to believe in immortality. They decided it's impossible because they are focused on death because their minds are still carnal and to be carnally minded is death. Don't expect to die. Know yourself according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. So all these promises can only happen if we are in Christ and it can only happen through us. It's clear. And um, people don't really want to accept these promises. And sometimes the promises of God just seems to be too good to be true. And that's why it's sometimes difficult for people to accept it. In First Corinthians 10 verse 6, he's talking about Israel. that didn't want to believe God and God's promises and how they all died in the wilderness and their, the bones and their bodies were lying in the wilderness uh, because they didn't want to accept the promises of God. In First Corinthians 10, 6, he says, now these things became our examples. Why is he giving us that example? It, it was, they were supposed to enter the promised land, the land of milk and honey. They were supposed to, to live there and to manifest the fullness of God because God had great plans and fantastic um, future for them. And they refused to accept it. And they just complained about everything. They were looking at everything in natural. They didn't look at the promise of God. They were looking at their circumstances. And uh, God says, I'm so tired of this. You know, it took 430 years before they were convinced to leave Egypt. Uh, Egypt means uh, bondage and limitations. Um, God's people, even to this day, are living in bondage and limitations. I'm not talking about only Israel. I'm talking about everybody, because everybody belongs to God. Everybody is God's children. God's people live in bondage and limitations, because they refuse to look at a cross, and to see the complete and finished work that Christ has accomplished. Now, uh, let's just have a look at that example that was given to us. He's talking about Pharaoh in Exodus 11:10. He says, so Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go out of his land. So God, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now let me tell you, if God hardens somebody's heart, the chances for that person to um, to do anything else is practically zero. So it, what's the point of giving him a sign and saying, "Okay, Pharaoh, here is a sign." Now you must let the people go, but his heart is and So God is sort of working against himself. No, 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 no. God never works against himself because Jesus said that the kingdom divided will not stand. So God did not try to convince Pharaoh to let his people go and then worked against him. The 10 signs um, or the plagues that, that was given was not to convince Pharaoh to let the people go. Because God hardened Pharaoh's heart. God was convincing his people, these 10 signs were to convince the people to believe in God's promises and to leave Egypt. Egypt means burning and limitation. So let's just read the scripture, Numbers fourteen eleven. Then God said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? In verse 21, he says, Numbers fourteen, twenty-one. But truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt, in the wilderness, and have put me to test now these ten times, and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. So who is he talking about? Who did not listen to the ten signs? The ten signs were the ten plagues. Those are the things that God did to convince Israel to go and to, to, to take the promises. But know that when they scouted the land and they spied out the land, they found out that the giants were big and they found out that the cities were fortified and they forgot about the promise that God made. They forgot about a 430 year old prophecy and they just looked at what was in front of them, they, they just looked at the things on the earth, they didn't look at it spiritually, and saw the picture that God was painting through his promises, they just looked at the natural, they didn't look in the spirit, but Joshua and Caleb, those two, they all were of different spirit, they said, no, give us, let's go immediately, let's take the land, because God made a promise, and so God said, no, turn away from the land, you will go through the wilderness, this whole a generation that didn't believe me. I will take them all out. And just Joshua and Caleb actually uh, went and uh, possessed the land. You can say, yeah, but they didn't have this information that we had. But listen to 1 Corinthians 10 verse 3. He says, Israel all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ." But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples. So in other words, Israel drank from Christ, the spiritual rock. They drank that water. They ate the food. They had all the knowledge of the gospel. They encountered him in the wilderness. And they refused to believe his word. They refused to believe the promises. I mean, just think about all the signs they saw. Apart from the ten plagues, the ten signs in Egypt, All the things that happened through the wilderness, how their clothes didn't didn't deteriorate, how their uh, clothes actually grew with them, uh, how everything uh, was provided in terms of food and water, how God uh, did the miracles with the cloud of glory at night in form of fire in the day a cloud that provided shade, all those things was given as signs to make them believe Yet they did not believe. They still didn't believe that they can take the land because the giants were too big and the fortified cities were too big because they didn't see the the amazing things that God had. And we, we, we are in the same position because we don't see the amazing thing that Christ did on the cross. And He did a perfect work so that we could experience the fullness of God in our bodies. We just look at the sickness in our bodies We look at all the things that's happening in the world and we're talking about everything that's happening in the world and we set our minds on the things on the earth instead of changing it and saying, No, let us know ourselves according to the Spirit. There's a tabernacle not made with hands. We can subdue all things. Him because He has given us a body of power, a body that is eternal, a body that is immortal, a body that is able to subdue all things unto Him. But if we keep on looking at all the things around us, we will just continue in this life and never come to the point where that which Christ has taken hold of for us becomes our reality. And God says, I really want you to fill your heart and your mind with the knowledge of Him and to know Him and the power of His resurrection so that you can see that you have a spiritual body. You have the power of God. The fullness of the Godhead came to dwell within you. The fullness of the Godhead is ready. He anointed you. You know all things. He has given you an anointing and nobody else needs to teach you. Just listen to this anointing inside of you, this Christ within you, which is the hope of glory. All this is available to you, you just need to accept it and say thank you Father for this perfect work. Let's look at the cross and say thank you Jesus for what you have done and the resurrection will become your reality. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, he couldn't do it because God was against him. But God convinced his people and you as a child of God or a son of God, when are you going to accept this truth of immortality? When are you going to accept this truth of this body that God has given you in Christ and just accept it and say, Thank you, Father, for this land of milk and honey. Thank you for what you have given us. You know, I asked the Lord about the land of milk and honey and He said to me, The land of milk and honey is a mindset, Andre. It's a mindset, a specific mindset. It's a mindset where His thoughts become your thoughts, where nothing is impossible. It's a mindset where you realize, according to God's thoughts, nothing is impossible. According to God's thoughts, everything was done because God is not limited by time. God is not limited by space. It is coming to that point where you realize it's already given, it's already a reality. And the moment you start thinking that way, then things start manifesting around you. And this I can testify of because I have seen God lately moving in ways that really scares me. Because my flesh isn't able to keep up with what God is doing, and the need for a spiritual body to manifest becomes greater and greater. And I'm so overly excited about this. And uh, I'm so thankful, I'm so grateful because I realize that I'm part of this move, I'm part of this thing that God is doing. So God said it's a specific mindset, the land of milk and honey, all the promises. It's a specific mindset. It is when you have my thoughts. And I said, Lord, what is your thoughts? And he reminded me of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me. And when you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord. God says, this, uh, this land that is promised, it's a mindset that God promised to His people. That's everything that you will ever need is having the mind of Christ. Everything that you will ever need is thinking the way God th- is thinking. Because anything can manifest when you have His thoughts. But if you have your own thoughts and you have a carnal mind and you think about death and you think about circumstances and your mind is set on the things on the earth, You will not experience the glory and the power of God. You see, our natural bodies bodies are limited. Our our natural bodies hasn't got the power to subdue all things. But my spiritual body and your spiritual body is the body of Christ. It's His spiritual body. That body can manifest all things. But it cannot happen unless we accept it in our minds. Be transfigured by the meaning of your mind. So, the life of the flesh, Leviticus 17, 11 says, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I've given it upon the altar to make a for your souls. What has that got to do with this? Well, the thing is, the life of the flesh was in the blood. The life of the flesh was in the blood. And Christ poured out all his blood when he became one with us, when he became sin. He poured out all his blood. He poured out all of the life of the flesh and nothing of the life of the flesh remained. And what now, what's now left is, um, the life in the spirit is light, because John 1 verse 4 and 5 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. John 1 9 says, That was the true light which gives light to every man. Ephesians 5 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So the light that we have, that is pumping through our spiritual veins, Is the glory of God in this glorified body that is now flowing through us. The life of the flesh is gone. We don't want to give life to the flesh, but we want to um, receive the life that was given, the light that was given, the glory that was given in this glorified body. It's a spiritual body that is manifested in this natural world. In 2 Corinthians 5, 1, he says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now He who has prepared us for this very thing is God and has given us the Spirit as guarantee. You have the Spirit of God within you, and that is the guarantee of this body that's already within you. And this body wants to manifest by swallowing up your, your your fleshly life so that the glory of God can be manifested. The sons of God needs to appear. And the Spirit was given as a guarantee. In 2 Corinthians 1 he says, Now he who has established us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. A guarantee of what? Ephesians 1.13 gives us light of that. He says, Of an immortal body. He says in verse 13, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, to the praise of His glory. So what is the purchased possession? Romans 8.23 says, Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit, we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So your body needs to be redeemed. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20, he says, you were bought at a price. So my body was redeemed through a price that was paid. You were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. And this is so interesting because he says, we must glorify God in our body. My, my question to you, listener, is how do you glorify God in your body? It's not about the sin question, because Christ already dealt with sin, Christ already took the judgment upon Himself, so it's not about that. We are glorifying God, because we are living a sinless life in Christ Jesus, because He has taken sin out of the equation. So that is not, uh, that is not the way that He's talking about glorifying Him. For you were bought at the price, therefore glorify God in your body. How do you glorify God in your body? How do we do that? Well, Colossians 1.27 says, To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And listen people, it's not about doing this and doing that and doing something in your own effort. It is allowing the Christ within you, who is the hope of glory, to fill your understanding and your thinking, because you were anointed by that Christ. Uh, you have an anointing, 1 John 2.20 says, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things, but to know those things that you know, you need to tap into that mindset of Christ, and realize that you have the mind of Christ, and you know all things, and uh, verse 27 says, the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. And what does the Scripture say? When you abide in Him, whatever you ask of Him, He will give unto you. But we need to understand that we need to glorify God in our bodies by allowing this Christ to flow through us. How will you glorify God? Christ within me is the hope of glory. Christ must be raised on the cross Calvary. I must never forget about this Christ on the cross. Thank God for the, uh, the cross and thank God for the resurrection. You can't take one of them out of the equation. Paul says, the only thing I want to know about you is Christ and Him crucified. So never lose it. You, you need a constant reminder of the fact that Christ was crucified because it opened the pathway so that the glorified body through the resurrection could manifest. Because the first, tabernacle, the first tabernacle had to fall before the new tabernacle could be manifested. It could not have come, the, f- the, the perfect tabernacle not made with hands, eternal in heavens, that spiritual body could not manifest while the first tabernacle is still standing. And we need to change our minds and realize that we are one with Him. As He is, so are we in this world. We are not different to Him. Um, When Jesus said in John 17, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that your Son may also be glorified. He said this just before He went to the cross. And the interesting thing is, in the very next verse, um, which is in uh, chapter 18, verse 1, He's going to Gethsemane. And Gethsemane means olive press. And olive press is where the, uh, the olives are pressed, so that the anointing can come forth, the anointing oil can come forth. Because when the anointing comes forth, it raises the Christ. It raises the Christ in you to that position of elevation, to that position of crucifixion, where you realize that you are one with Him in His death, you are one with Him in His resurrection, and you are one with Him in His ascension, and you are the body of Christ. And He's not talking about a natural body, He's talking about a spiritual body. The cross is an upgrade. It means improvement. The body that Jesus had after His resurrection was a better body than the one that was sent in the likeness of sinful flesh. It was, it was better. It got rid of the old man of sin and He paved the way to resurrection life to manifest through the fullness of God in and through us. All the promises of God will manifest through us. And this is God's heart for you. And uh, brothers and sisters, I just want to bless you today and say I'm so excited about what God is doing in you because whatever God started in you, He will finish in you. But you just need to set your mind on the things above and not on the things on the earth because there's a new tabernacle that came with Christ. And that tabernacle is that spiritual body that is within you. God bless you and uh, we'll talk again soon. Keep well.